Mr. Jason. Hey there. Hey, Charlene. As, how's it going? Doing well. How are you? I'm good. I've got my headsets on today, so I need your help. And anyone who's listening, am I screaming at you? Because it sounds so different with the headsets. No. Are too loud? Okay. Very good. Well, hello. We have lots of things to discuss today. Are you ready? Because I even yes. lined up all questions and everything. I have a plan. Nice. I'm okay. excited. But before we get started on anything, I thought that this was interesting. Let's take a slight deviation. Now, we are going to stay on course today and discuss uh, value investing, um, how to make and multiply money with financial education, which is really important. I'm glad to dive into this. But before we do, I have a curiosity thing for something that's going on right now. Want to talk about that for a second? Can I ask you a question? Perfect. Yes. Okay. So happen to notice that over in China, there's this thing called Evergrande thing. Yes. Right. And it seems like this big splashy deal. And of course it's going to get attention because it's, it's going to get my curiosity because it's something that you've watched. So what's up with that? What's going on there? Yes. So actually fears over this company defaulting, um, also known as going bankrupt, came out, was it yesterday or the day before? And the market fell at one point by about 1,000 points in the US. Why would a Chinese company defaulting have anything to do with the United States stock markets? Right. This company is intertwined in the entire Chinese real estate market. They're, I think, the second biggest developer in, in all of China. And they have 305 billion dollars worth of debt holy cow 300 billion did you say i'm trying to look yes. it up right now i'm going to put it on in our uh, thing let's see here's one yes. i can share this one they have so much debt that according to one of the articles i saw they account for 16 percent of all public company debt in china yikes yes okay so what happens if they default so if they default, the fear is this could lead to a Lehman Brothers type situation um, in that which kind of set off the financial crisis in 2007, 2008 timeframe. Why is there fears of that? Because they are so intertwined into the entire um, property development market in China. Not only are they the second largest property developer in China, but real estate and real estate development make up a huge part of GDP in China because of their rapid um, acceleration from a quote unquote third world country into a modern economy um, and their vision to catch up with the United States and other countries in the last, what, 30, 40 years, something like that. If this company defaults, the fear is that it would crush not only the entire real estate market in China, because they're wow. so intertwined in everything, but okay. there's a fear that it could cause banks to fail because they have so much debt and they owe so much money to people. Again, 16% in one article I saw of all public stock debt is owned by this one company. So if 16% or if this company defaults, so that means 16% of loans going to default. Done. Just like that. Holy crap. Um, and I don't remember what the numbers were for Lehman Brothers back in 2007, 2008 timeframe, but it wasn't even close to 16%. And that ended up causing the, what is now known as the global financial crisis. Wow. All right. Well, do you agree with this guy? This guy, uh, Michael Houston, he says, there appears to be an acceptance that an ever grand failure is more a matter of when and not if. 
And the real question actually is how, if any fallout is going to be managed. Do you agree with that? Uh, so I, I had not heard of this company before two days ago. So I hadn't okay. evaluated them, but I did take a look at their financials. They have so much debt. They yeah. have so much debt. They have the reason they're worried about uh, people are worried about them defaulting this week is because they have debt payments due, I think, tomorrow. They have like 35.9 million and they have $75.9 million of debt due tomorrow that they have to make payments on. Yeah, if they I mean, can't make payments on those tomorrow, and I think combined that's what, $105, $110 million. Yeah. That, depending on the covenants and the terms, if so, and again, this is, this is for pretty much all companies worldwide, depending on the covenants and the terms of your debt, but if you default on one piece of debt, the other debt can be what it's called being called. And if that happens, essentially that means they have to pay the three, the full $305 billion back that they have in debt like that. And they don't have that kind of cash. Well, I've got something else to share here because it looks like this is two hours ago. This is breaking news. It's unfolding right now. You can tell uh, this was two hours ago. Al Jazeera is one of my favorite business news sources. So I went there to see what they have to say because uh, these guys are usually pretty um, pretty factual. So let me share the screen. <clears throat> Go right to the source. So it's saying China's Evergrande says it has resolved a scheduled payment. But yes, what does Correct. that mean exactly? So I read it. I didn't read the uh, this exact article, but I read a similar article from another um, outlet this morning. And okay. it, in that article, and this one might say something different, but in the article I read this morning, it said they have made arrangements to pay the $35.9 million payment tomorrow. But wow. further, and that calmed the markets down and blah, 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 blah. What it also said further in the article that probably most people didn't read is they have not received any news on payments of the $75.9 million that's also due tomorrow. Well, it's saying up here, yeah, it even says uh, it has not, let's see, indebted property developer, however, has not said whether it will meet two other upcoming yes. interest payments, including one on Thursday, which is which is the yes. tomorrow. That must be the one you're talking about. $75 million, did you say? I think that's what it was. The The, the article I read said that um, the $35.9 million or whatever it was, they have figured out how to pay that, but they hadn't figured out how to pay the $75.9 million one now. All right. So what can this mean for smart Chinese citizens who have invested in real estate and they were doing business with these guys? I mean, what what's the fallout for them or potential fallout for them? So this is frankly to be seen because there hasn't been a major market crash long term like recession in China in 20, 30, 40 years because they do, they do have, <laughs> they have done so far a good job of weathering these kind of problems, the Chinese government, but I don't know if they can withstand this kind of shock. So it's to yeah. be seen, but if it does default, I don't know how China is going to escape a pretty bad recession probably a frankly really bad one um, because this company is so intertwined into everything. Um, there's speculation that China in <laughs> to punish these guys for essentially putting the Chinese economy in harm's way to punish these guys. One thing they may do is they may save them, but it's not like in the too big to fail and the saving people like the U S government did. I hope not. <laughs> it would be more like, 
we're going to break up your entire company and we're going to sell your company to raise some of this cash. <laughs> that's some okay. of the speculation that's going on. So, so it's not going to be closing for the owners, the property developer. If this happens, um, and I don't know what it is now, but the other day when I first saw this uh, news breaking, their stock was down like 86% so far this year. So their shareholders have already been crushed. Um, I know that you don't short sale, but would not yeah. be a good opportunity to do so. <laughs> so it would have been a good opportunity to do so months ago uh, if I short okay. sell. Okay. Because right now, most of the gains have already, if you were short to short sale, most of the gains have already been there because they've right. lost about 86% of the value in the stock. Um, so it would have been better then. But now there's too much uncertainty in my opinion. And we talked about why I don't short sale in other lives. But in this particular situation, with the uncertainty of what the Chinese government's going to do, if they're going to do anything, because there's also speculation that they're not going to do anything. They're just kind of going to let it fail because. How? Uh, I don't way, know what else they're supposed to do. I mean, it, yeah. 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 Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see, but there's a lot of unknowns with the Chinese government, the major potential recession, okay. financial stuff, um, the intertwine of the real estate development market and the banks. There's so many unknowns here. Yeah, that's it. You're right about the debt. It means it's certainly so. Let's see. They got to, It depends on whether they can pay eighty-three point five million dollar uh, bond payment tomorrow, and then an additional forty-seven point five million dollars on September 29th. Our friend Deb just texted me. That's who I was looking at on my cell phone. She needs to get in here into the chat. By the way, anybody who wants to talk with us, just come right in, and we will interact with you live. But she just asked me, "Do I want to go in together on a Chinese company?" <laughs> Before you got on this one? <laughs> no, just now. We're on this now. Yeah, maybe, Deb. We'll see. Let's find out how we can uh, take take advantage of this. I don't think that Jason would recommend this particular company as a solid investment, though. Would you, Jason? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Stay as far away if you can from this investment. <laughs> yeah, both bonds would default if Evergrande falls in the cell. Settle the interest within 30 days. So... Do they have a bankruptcy type of system in China like we have here in the United States? Yes. I don't know much about it in full honesty, but they yeah. do have some similar situation. But this, to illustrate your point above, they have interest payments coming up. Two interest payments coming up tomorrow, another on the 29th. This is what happens when you have too much debt. This is what people are freaked out with the United States government. If you have too much right. debt and you have the interest payments, again, this is just the interest. You're not paying down the principal. You're just paying the and interest. This continues to compound and go higher and higher and higher over time. And um, if you have any issues whatsoever to pay your bills, it could cause an entire collapse. Um, so this is why being huge companies with huge amounts of debt are so dangerous. This is one reason right here. Okay. Good to know. Well, we will definitely keep an eye on this company to see what happens. Uh, I genuinely wish them luck. I don't know how they're going to come up with all that kind of money in that short amount of time. Yeah. And even if they do, let's say, let's hope that they do come out of it well, which we do hope the yeah. Chinese government is going to crush them. Yeah. They're a little mad. I bet the Chinese government uh, doesn't yeah. really seem to take this kind of thing very well. Hell, I don't know uh, if we would take it very well, but I wouldn't really mess on the Chinese side. No. <laughs> All right. Well, today, Jason, we're here to discuss how to make and multiply money with financial education. Now, anyone who wants that is watching and hanging out with us can be featured on the show. Just put your questions, your comments right in the chat and we will make sure you're dressed in live. We often have live conversations with anyone watching us and we never really know what's going to come up. So no. what you see is what you get, right, Jason? 
Yes, exactly. Critical thinking. Had I was cracking up last week. Oh my so. God. Yeah. For a while, I couldn't even breathe. Like, oh, he's going to get us in so much trouble. So, all right. So today let's dive in, Jason. Let's start with this. Cause I actually have been curious about this as well. What are the various ways to make money with the knowledge of value investing and financial education? Not just with the ability to, to, you know, review this stuff, but how can you make money doing it? Yes. So when anybody thinks about value investing, they think about or investing at all, they think about investing in stocks. Maybe they'll think about investing in real estate. Uh, maybe they'll even a smaller percentage of people will think about investing in um, private businesses. Okay. Those aren't the only ways to make money from this knowledge, though, of financial education and um, investment education. For example, from my personal life, I've made money. I've written for investment newsletters and sites off and on for years uh, for since 2014. So what's that? Six years now. Um, I've consulted with people worldwide, not just people, businesses worldwide on how to grow their businesses. Um, I've consulted with a company here in the Tampa area where I live. We were, me and my partner were going to, we were trying to figure out how to, they had access to $800 million and we were trying to figure out how to find a company that they can invest in on the public stock market, uh, a REIT, um, real estate investment trust. Uh, there's all different sorts of ways you can make money with this. And those are only a couple examples. Um, the reason we want to talk about this today is because <laughs> you can make lots of money doing this kind of stuff. And this doesn't even count Wall Street. I'm not going to even talk about Wall Street stuff because I don't have any experience with that personally. So if you can make money, then you can invest money, then you can make more money. I'm starting to see a pattern here. I like yes. where you're going with this. <laughs> yes, correct. Okay. And cool. yeah, yes, 100%. So you said that one of the ways was that you can write or so you wrote for financial, what financial newsletters and things like that and blogs. And yes. what about what are other? Well, I think I know the other thing you do is you actually manage other people's portfolios for them when they want you to do that. So that's a way to do yes. it. Yes. Yes. Or be another one. Um, another way. Yeah. Selling, selling courses, selling your knowledge. Uh, okay. That's another way. Mm -hmm. uh, helping people with their retirement, not even their retirement funds, but advising them on budgets and how to um, cut expenses and uh, doing valuations of businesses. Um, I just did one for a colleague the other day, I valued their business. Um, nice. So that's, that's, these are a bunch of different ways to make money in the investment realm with not even great, financial education, just kind of proper financial education. I'm going to mute my phone. Do you consider financial education and financial literacy the same thing? Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, I do because it's after you get over a certain amount of education, in my opinion, you have pretty much basic financial literacy because it's not taught really anywhere. Ah, makes sense. Um, yeah. So to me, they're pretty much the same thing. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Next question. How can someone use value investing and a financial knowledge to advise and consult with businesses all over the world? That one's a pretty interesting question. I like that we have this one here. Yes. So a couple, about three years ago now, I, one of our masterclass students and I started a uh, business to consult with companies on capital allocation and how to improve their businesses, how to multiply their money, that kind of stuff that we talk about on occasion here in these lives. Um, but we don't talk too much about because frankly, a lot of people find that kind of stuff boring, but a, little bit. <laughs> yeah, a, little bit. a lot of it, most people, um, 
but so my partner uh, got he had, he's over in the United Arab Emirates, and he got some financials from uh, some colleagues and some friends he had, and I took a look at their business, and I found some problems, and so they flew me over, and I consulted with when I was over there two different companies, and they flew me over. I presented to both of them. One company in particular, um, I found and I knew I was gonna talk about this with them when I was over there, but I was nervous to talk about them with this, even though I'm not nervous to talk about financials ever. This one I was worried about because it was a father um, who was trying to hand off the reins to the company to his son, and they wanted me to take a look about how to improve the company for that transition. I found, the biggest problem I found was that there was $250,000, equivalent to $250,000, um, because their currency is in Durham's, um, UAE Durham's, of money that didn't look like it was being spent properly, to put it nicely. So I presented them, or I built this in my presentation, and I said, what, what, is this, what is this money here? I said, sundry expenses. To me, sundries are things like food, coffee, things for the office, like snacks and stuff like that. And they, they said the same thing. And I said... You have, I think it was 13 employees. So there's no way your company spent $250,000 on sundries, on these kind of things. There's just no way. And I was presenting to the father and the son, and the son started tearing up. And I had to stop my presentation um, because he realized what I was saying. He realized that I was saying, essentially, that somebody's been stealing money from your dad's company. And he was very upset about that. And that's another way this is just one example of the things that i helped them with over there that um you can do with this kind of financial education um and when i say financial education in this case it's actually how to read and analyze financial statements in this case even though on occasion it might mean that you have to give business owners some pretty bad news oh yeah no i and i warned them before yeah. the meeting um before I even started my presentation over there, I said, I hope you guys don't mind, but I, when I do these kinds of things, I'm very honest and I say exactly what I see and some of the stuff you're probably not going to like. And they said, good. That's why we hired you. Numbers so, are what they are. <laughs> yeah. All right. Makes sense. So out of curiosity then, what did you and your partner do for a company with access to $800 million? Was this that same company? No, this was a different company. This company okay. is in um, the Tampa, Florida area where I live. All right. Uh, my partner had a relationship with them, and he knew I was very good at analyzing stocks very fast. So he brought me in and said, this company has access to $800 million. They want to buy a public company, um, REIT, a real estate investment trust. Can you help me analyze them or these stocks? And so I said, yeah, we built the plan. And so we went through every single, and I don't remember how many of their works, this was a few years ago, every single um, public company REIT that fit their category or fit their criteria. And then we presented to them our findings. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So that deal, um, we are, my partner and I both on that are very transparent and honest with people. We're not financial people, like I've said on here a bunch of times, who just wanna make money off of people. Um, and we told them, we don't recommend you buy any of these because either they're all terrible 
um, just outright awful, like we wouldn't recommend you buying them no matter what. Or they um, are in such bad shape that you'd have to do a complete turnaround on the company, sell a ton of assets, uh, sell a ton of their real estate to make it even worth it. And we said, unless you want to put in a ton of work and do that kind of stuff, we wouldn't recommend you buy any of these companies. Um, so that's what we advise them on in that situation. How did they take that out of curiosity? They appreciated it. Um, and me and my partner, again, it wasn't really a decision for us, but going through it with other people that I was telling about the deal and they were like, they're kind of doing the math in their head and they're like, but you could have made literally 10, 20, $30 million off of this. Could've. If you would help them buy a company. And both me and my partner said, yeah, we could have, but then we would have burned our relationship probably forever because they would right. have bought something that was terrible. Right. Um, so it wasn't worth it in um, the short term to make that kind of money because I'm thinking, again, I say this when I'm looking at stocks, anything, 5, 10, 20 years down the road. That's what my time frame is. I'm thinking over the long term. So we didn't want to burn that bridge. And frankly, we would have just felt, we're just the type of people that we would feel gross about it, even if we did yeah. Now, have they come back yet to do any more business with you since? Not no, not yet. Um, I don't know if they will, um, but I'd be willing to help them again if they are. Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, very cool. So, uh, next question. We have a lot of questions today. Here's why. Well, we've been doing so many lives now, of course. So, or at least we've been doing it for, I think, a month, maybe six weeks. Month, month so. and a half, yeah. So a lot of these are accumulation of that. People just are now they're starting to get curious and ask us all kinds of stuff. So I'm just firing at you today. Uh, here's the next one. How did value investing, capital allocation, and financial literacy help you get a trip to Abu Dhabi and Dubai to consult with the multi-million dollar companies? Talk yes. You. So I, I started, I talked about that briefly mm -hmm. um, a little bit ago. I, these questions, I mean, <laughs> We're going a little out of, out of sync here today. It's <laughs> all right. Um, but these, uh, so I talked a little bit about that. What was the outcome of that, of me yes. going over there? Yeah. They they were so impressed with what I told them um, and that they I gave them three recommendations on how to improve their company. And to me, these were easy recommendations based on my research, based on my analysis of not only the company, but the industry. And when I say easy, they were also didn't cost much. They, these were literally like phone calls and maybe a couple hours of work. They implemented these three recommendations and they improved their revenue 10% within three months. And that 10%, nice. yeah, and that 10% because there wasn't really any cost associated with it other than a couple hours of work dropped straight to profit. So when they solved that, they wanted to hire me to sell their company for them. So me and my team, we built a list based on their criteria of companies they wanted to sell to. Um, we started outreach to them and we actually uh, outreached to, I don't remember how many people it was, but we did a ton of outreach, got three legitimate offers. One of them was way undervalued. Um, so we just kind of disregarded it right away. The other was pretty far under what they wanted to sell at. And the best one we got was for $6.2 million. Nice. Now, six months before this, when I first met them, I said their company's worth about three, three and a half million dollars. So with the improvements we recommended and also um, the outreach we did, we were able to increase the value of their company by about three, $3.2 million in less than six months. 
um, which is crazy. <laughs> um, now the deal fell through because the terms you're muted, Charlene, because the terms weren't great. Um, they wanted to pay out over 10 years and the guy, the founder of the company wanted to retire. He was in his seventies. He said, I'm not going to wait 10 years to get my payout. Um, so the deal didn't go through, but again, that's another example of ways to make money, um, with this kind of education. Very cool. And I'm sure they weren't complaining about the fact that you increased the value of their company in that short amount of time. By that no. amount. <laughs> no, correct. Very nice. That's what I was trying to say when I was muted. Sorry. I snuck in a little bit of cornbread. I have a cigarette. That's why I keep ducking off camera because I thought I would eat it after we're done, but now it's just calling my name. So here we are. All right. smell. Yeah, you can't help it, right? So why would someone... Oh. I like this. It's not why would, it's why should. I've said it the wrong way. So, Jason, in your opinion, why should someone use their knowledge of investing and finance to consider buying private businesses and commercial real estate? Now, before you answer that question, I'm not sure I even agree with the premise of this question. Because I don't think anyone should consider buying a private business if they haven't already run a business to begin with. Same thing with commercial real estate. They can get into a lot of trouble and be completely overwhelmed. I mean, this is that's a... That's no, I actually consider that, I would consider it more risky for a non-entrepreneur to buy a business than I would for them to start a business. What do you think? I would say that's true because usually when you start a business, you're bootstrapping it from either your own funds or maybe some friends and family. So there's not a ton of money involved. It's just you can't time. start fast. Yeah, you can yeah. only do it in the time you've got. So you got you can build your foundation of knowledge. Yes, correct. So yeah. if you buy a business, let's say you buy a $10 million business and you don't know what you're doing right. and you run it into the ground and you have to take on investors to do that and you don't know what you're doing and you do a terrible now job. Yeah, the China problem. No, yes. <laughs> Then you not only run the business in the ground and cost people their jobs and their livelihoods, yeah. and their, which is affects their families and their communities, you've burned those investors probably forever. Yeah. Um, and you might have ruined your reputation. So I, I think that's fair. Okay. So why should someone use their knowledge of investing in finance to consider buying private businesses and commercial real estate? Okay. So with the caveat of what we just said. Yes. <laughs> In my opinion, people should look to buy businesses and commercial real estate because these are just other ways to use this knowledge, um, financial value investing knowledge. The terms or pretty much everything is the same in terms of the valuations and the terminology. There is slight nuances in the terms, but it, that's once you have the basic foundations down of learning value investing and value investing education and financial education, that's pretty simple um, right. to do. So once you have the foundation down, if you want to transition from stocks, something like stocks, which you can start out with a small amount of money, to private businesses and commercial real estate, I think you should absolutely consider it if you want to and if you have the aptitude to do so because it's another way to make money from these skills. Okay, but it's still risky, isn't it? Yes, so it is risky um, if you don't know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, you should partner with somebody either like me who knows what they're doing or somebody yeah. you trust in your personal network who knows, knows what they're doing. Um, but the reason I say private businesses and real estate, commercial real estate specifically, is because I don't remember the exact stat, but it's something crazy. It's something like 75 or 80% of all people on the richest 
was it the richest 500 people in the world list are either into real estate or they own their business or they own a business. Um, some sense. crazy stuff. Like I don't remember the exact number, but it's an it's an incredibly powerful way to build wealth, um, owning businesses and owning commercial real estate. I've been I've always been a little curious about owning um, what do you call them um, storage units, just or something dumb like that, or maybe um, just useful utility business, uh, a laundromat, um, things like that. You know, what would you think of those as potential investments? Just ideas. Yes, love that. Tasha, thanks for joining again. Glad to see you. Um, and we'll answer that question here in a second after this love question. Love that, Tasha. Welcome. Good to see you again. So for things like laundromats, I've not invested in them personally, but I have done research in them. I've heard they're not great investments from okay. in terms of making cash flow. And I was frankly a little bit surprised about this when I first learned it, but after you learn yeah. about the reason why, it makes sense. Okay. Because if you own a laundromat, people do tons of laundry at one time more than they're supposed to use or more than yeah, supposed to do right in. <laughs> and they just beat up the machines and then you have to put a ton of money uh, into constantly either maintaining or buying the machines makes sense uh, okay so then what about storage units then storage units so this is one of the categories i look at um yeah. i look when it comes to commercial real estate i'm specifically right now looking at mobile home parks apartment complexes and storage units okay why storage units yeah. Because there's a saying in real estate that um, what uh, toilets, tenants, and there's another one, but I can't remember that. I can never remember the third one. Essentially, what it's saying is if you don't have to deal with uh, fixing broken toilets and like plumbing and electrical systems, and right. you don't have to deal with a huge amount of pain in the butt tenants <laughs> who are breaking <laughs> stuff in your apartment, then you no can make orders, smokers. Yeah. Drug yeah, addicts, exactly. all that kind of stuff. And yeah. that gets yeah. us to why people like investing in storage units because yeah. they don't have toilets. They don't have tenants that live there. Right. And they just have people, they just hold people's stuff. Yeah. It's a depository for people's stuff, either while they're moving um, or downsizing or upsizing or whatever the situation is. It just holds people's stuff and they get to pay you rent for that. Essentially, it's like a toll road is that if they want to use your services, even if you're not really doing anything for them, they still have to pay to get right, their stuff. Which they like. And then if they default, you just auction off their stuff and clean out the junk anyway, and they're running out to the next person. I mean, I think it's a pretty no brainer. The only thing that I would wonder then is, you know, how to get the, I mean, I suppose you can only have so many <coughs> storage units in one area. So I wonder on the town flagships, townships, like that, if they have a limit to how many storage areas can be around, how many you can own. And I think probably some that. cities do, but that's actually not really a problem in my opinion, okay. because if there is a limit, that means there's less stores than there probably really needs to be in a real world sense. So that ah. means you can raise your rents. Oh, I like uh, that. Okay. So I am, I'm, I am actively looking at storage facilities. Um, found some, haven't bought any yet. Um, but that is one of the areas where I'm most interested in when it, when it comes to commercial real estate, along with apartment complexes and uh, mobile home parks. Nice. Well, if you find one, then uh, I think we have our friend Deb is waiting for you to what she says, make her rich by finding yes. commercial property. So get on that, call Deb and tell her you found her something. Yes. Working <laughs> on that, Deb. Yes, exactly. All right. Tasha has a fabulous question here. She says, what is up with China building and developing infrastructure in Africa? Yeah, Jason, what is up with that? I have so, my opinions, but you have facts. <laughs> well, I have my opinions on this too, but I'm going to try to keep it mostly factual. Okay. 
from my understanding we'll up in china today <laughs> from my understanding this is part of china's i can't remember i can never remember what the overarching plan is like a like a decades long plan to make china great or to make it the superpower in the world whatever whatever that plan is called one of their plans is to develop africa southeast asia places like that not only to help these people, that is one reason, uh, but many people think it's a more nefarious reason to, so that they can own, they can fund these kind of projects in um, Africa and Southeast Asia so that they own the projects through their debt financing. And many people are saying that this is a new form of colonialism. I'll get my dog here in a second. Um, <laughs> um, why are they saying that? Because essentially, if these people they're giving they're giving again allegedly, China is giving so much money to places in Africa, and Southeast Asia that they know with one hundred percent certainty will not be paid back. And if they can't pay that back as a debt Guess holder, what? they would own the businesses and or the infrastructure and or the land. So that's why some people are saying it's a new form of colonialism. Um, that's why China or at least some of the reasons why China is building up infrastructure in Africa and Southeast Asia. Um, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's also a, they want to have more influence in the world. And that's another way to get influence is if they're helping people, then they can yeah. get goodwill, like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. And then if they don't, if they can't pay those bills, then they own the stuff. So. I mean, you got to give them credit for this. And China, overall, I'm not speaking of you know every average everyday citizens like you and I, um, uh, but in general, the ones that are that are involved in this infrastructure, these these plannings, this expansion, they're really shrewd business people. I mean, these are oh, yeah. really smart steps. I, and I suppose it doesn't even matter why they're doing it or what the why is. The fact is, they're there, and it's a free market. So if United States wants to get involved in this, we could as well. Just China's the one taking the initiative and getting this done. Can't yeah, really get that, for it, you know? That's frankly the way I see most of it too, um, yeah. is that they want more influence in the world. They want to build up infrastructure. And if the U.S. or other countries wanted to do it, they could too. So, I mean, yeah. that's the way I see it too, generally. Yeah. All right. Jason, before I ask you the next question, we get diving into that topic. Out of curiosity, why are we doing these lives? What do you have to offer? Uh, our newly relaunched masterclass, which we'll talk yeah, about. In a little bit. Let's talk about that now for just a quick, quick teaser. This masterclass, from what I understand, now has some extra bonuses. Yes, correct. Did we end up, and I can't remember if we did or not. Did we end up getting those bonuses on this page? On the sales page? Yes, I think they are now. All right, awesome. They so weren't we're last week, which I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I like the way that you did it, though, because you surprised even me with the bonuses. So, of course, we didn't even have a chance to add it to the sales page. And now they're there. So yes. I'm looking forward to diving into this. But I will, for now, go on to the next question. I just wanted to drop this little hint that if anybody has any curiosity things for Jason or any questions that you want to ask now on the live, do so. And then also take a look at mastermind.valueinvestingjourney.com to see what more he can offer. Jason's whole goal here is to empower people with financial literacy. And that's why we're having these discussions because I'm one of his, I'm one of his favorite students, just that, you know, don't be jealous. 
Biggest pain, biggest pain in the butt, students. Hey, your mic was off. I don't know if you know that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. All right. All right, Jason. So we've talked about buying business and commercial real estate. And now we're going to get into something that I don't usually see brought up when it comes to financial investing or any financial investing discussions, but it's discipline. So why is building discipline in any investing you do required to succeed? Yes. That is a very sure. Why is building discipline in any investing you do is, I think I typed this incorrectly. Sorry about that. But you get what I'm trying to ask, right? Yeah. And That's what these lives are for. Yeah. Yeah. So why do you need discipline to succeed? So I'm a big believer in discipline pretty much throughout your entire life. And our buddy, uh, Dre Baldwin, who's joined us on a live, I think one life, um, mm -hmm. talks a lot about that. But in terms of di discipline, when it comes to the financial realm specifically, in my opinion, it's not only needed, but it's necessary to succeed. Why? Okay. Yeah. Because if you know how to value stocks, for example, I teach students how to value stocks 23 different ways. If you know how to do that and you know how to find undervalued businesses, but you don't have the patience to wait to buy them when they're undervalued and you don't have the discipline to do that, you will fail. That makes sense. It doesn't matter how much you know about investing or value investing. It doesn't matter the techniques, you know, doesn't matter how, what, um, if you know all the high level math, which frankly isn't required for the stuff I teach. Um, yeah. but doesn't matter in my opinion what you know about that kind of stuff if you don't have the discipline to be patient as an investor because the okay. more disciplined and patient you are the less decisions you will make the less risky decisions you will make and these both increase your odds of success and the odds that you're going to earn higher investment returns okay well here's the thing what if I am patient and I am learning in your course and now I'm getting more smart about what I do, but what if I'm so patient that I don't do anything? Isn't there such a thing as too much patience and too much discipline? Could it be fear? In investing, I don't think so. Okay. You don't think the there's reason. too much patience in invest in, uh, you don't think there's any such thing as too much patience in investing. Just making that clear. I don't think so. Okay. Um, we're, we're going to find out because in full transparency, I am extremely disciplined and patient to the extreme. How extreme? I haven't bought a new stock in about six years. Yeah, we're going to get to that next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which we're going to get to. Yeah. Um, but, and I'm not saying you need that kind of discipline and patience because, frankly, what I, that's crazy. <laughs> um, right. But in my opinion, Buffett, uh, Warren Buffett has a saying. He says what he wants to do is he wants to do a ton of research, ton of reading, and he wants to wait for what he calls fat pitch investments. What is that? You're not a sports ball fan, as we found out yesterday mm -hmm. in our private conversation, in our mastermind. He's a Jaguars fan, and the Jaguars suck. They lose all yeah, the time. Just terrible. so you guys know. Yeah, okay. we had this, this entire thing in our mastermind. Like she, yeah. yeah, he was very upset. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't like sports ball. That's what she calls it. Um, football, sports in general, whatever. Sports ball. There's a saying in baseball. This is the one with the stick, Charlie. There's no crying in baseball. Yes, that too. I know that saying. <laughs> but there's a saying in baseball that you should wait for the fat pitch. What that right. means is when the ball is coming towards you, it looks bigger than normal because you're expecting it to come in that specific location. So it's easier to hit. Uh, okay. Okay. Warren Buffett has an investment saying that you need to wait for fat, 
fact, well, I almost said something I wasn't going to say. We're about to get we're about to get <laughs> yeah. banned again on Facebook. Be careful because we just got back on Facebook. Okay, we're not doing this all over again. At pitch investments. There we go. P-I-T-C-H investments. <laughs> and you should wait for those because he has another saying. They should be a screaming buy. It should. This should literally, when you research this, it should be screaming to you. This is a great potential investment. This is something you should invest in. That's how good it should be. You should. You have to have the discipline and the patience to wait for those things. Um, if you don't, again, you're going to have lower investment returns and you're going to take on more risk. You're going to make more mistakes. To get to the earlier question, is there too much discipline and too much patience? Um, this is one of my favorite investment sayings from Charlie Munger, who is Warren Buffett's right-hand man. Uh, he has... A saying of call uh, called buy a few great stocks and then sit on your ass. That's what I've been doing <laughs> like the last that. six years. I mean, I haven't been just sitting doing nothing as you we've we've talked sure. about in some of these things. But what it means is, if you buy great stocks, you can sit, sit essentially not do much, and you'll still have great investment returns. For example, I haven't bought a st stock, new stock in six years in the portfolios I manage, but they were still up forty eight point three percent last year because of. Huh. Okay. Because they've kept appreciating, they kept paying dividends, they kept doing all the things that I expect them to do um, because of their competitive advantages and all the stuff I found when I originally invested in them. All right, that makes sense. So then we that does bring me to then, yeah, you're showing discipline. Things should be obvious, but is that really even possible? Is something can something like that be such an <clears throat> obvious buy like Warren Buffett is saying? Because it seems to me like a it seems to me like you still need to take some amount of risk and then make a judgment call. I mean, it's not like everybody has a book that says, if you buy this, you're going to be a millionaire tomorrow. I'm pretty sure they frown on that in most establishments anyway. So how do you know it's obvious? So, well, you can learn that stuff on our masterclass, which we'll tell you about later. Okay. Um, but some specifics that I just literally before we got on this call, um, right. I was evaluating a stock and making a video, our second video on Pier de Seal. Hopefully that's how you say it. We're doing a stock analysis case study on our on the YouTube channel. And this is a stock who was requested by um, YouTube viewer Ocean. He's requested a bunch of them. But we did okay. part one of the analysis. It looked really good. I did part two of my analysis today. And it's based on the initial analysis I did today and the two valuations I did. It's one of the cheapest stocks I've ever seen. And I've evaluated tens of thousands of stocks. That's one way to see that you need to look at this closer because it's so massively undervalued. Um, how undervalued this stock? I I estimated its value today based on the base evaluation I did today at about two billion dollars. Its market cap and it's selling in the stock market today for about seven hundred and forty million dollars. Holy cow! Okay, so that would be an example of an obvious buy, maybe. Uh, potentially, there's still, and I, <laughs> I, I put this in a note to Ocean, um, and I put in a note to the video. When I see this stuff, I get very excited, but you have to temper that because you still have to do the research, make sure you do the due diligence, make sure you read the financial reports to make sure they're not doing something funny. And I said this in the video, um, frankly, when I see something that's this undervalued, when almost every other stock on earth is massively overvalued, it makes me nervous that there's some kind of funny business going on. Um, so right. that's the cynical side of the investor in me. Um, but yeah, it, as of right now, today, it looks like a good potential stock to invest in, but we still got to do a bunch of research on it. Okay. Fair enough. That makes sense. Your dog was cracking me up, too. Hi, puppy. Yeah. Doggy and has doggy COPD. Oh, can't help it. 
All right. So you bought stock, obviously, because you've been sitting on your ass for six years on it, right? So mm -hmm. why haven't you bought new stock in the last six years? This is a question I get all the time. When I, when, especially when I tell people this, they look at me like I'm freaking crazy. Um, well, it does sound a little crazy. I mean, I kind of, it, it, it kind of does. Because why wouldn't you want to keep investing? You know, it is. And in full honesty, it is crazy. Um, I know other value investors who buy stock monthly, quarterly, yearly. Um, right. I'm on the extreme conservative side when it comes to investing. Okay. So I haven't bought a new stock in six years because I can't find anything that meets my ultra strict criteria um, in terms ah. of profitability margins combined with undervaluation combined with the other stuff I've looked for. Okay. I will not bend these criteria um, even with the stock market going straight up over the last six years because it works. <laughs> my results are make me one of the best stock pickers in the entire world over the last nine years. So I'm not going to break that just to buy something just because I bought something in a while, especially because I'm managing other people's money. Um, I don't want to put more risk on them and their portfolios just so I can buy something just because I haven't in a while. Okay. Well, that does bring me to this. How can people learn how to do that to do what you are doing now waiting on the extreme conservative end, but also reading the market. Uh, you have all of this in this course, right? This is the yes. Value Investing Journey Masterclass. Correct. Yes. You can learn all this, how to find value, evaluate stocks fast in this course, be it dozens of videos, um, probably more than 100 resources. Um, live group trainings are just starting up. Actually, I didn't tell you this, Charlene. Another thing I, think I forgot to tell you. This actually, I just confirmed with Masterclass students this morning. Um, we're going to do our first live group training or our oh, first. Cool relaunched uh, life group training on October 3rd and our second one is on October 6th, uh, 8th, 8th um, at 10 a.m. Eastern. So Very we start cool. starting those up uh, was that two weeks from now. Okay, I love that, especially because it is really hard sometimes to just make up well to learn, but also make sure that you know that you understood what you learned. So I'm glad that, they, that there's access now, live access. Now, do we get to know each other as people that are in the course? Can we talk to each other? Is there a community? Yes, correct. So we have a Facebook secret group on Facebook. I, that's it's not a secret group. I don't know why they call them that on Facebook. I don't know. <laughs> but we have a group on Facebook where students can interact. We also have a WhatsApp group, which is brand new, which is there's a, frankly, I was surprised at the amount of interaction there. There's probably every day there's something in there, questions, comments nice. uh, about that in the WhatsApp group. And you guys can make relationships or many or a couple students have made relationships outside of the masterclass as well. Me and Shafiq oh. um, years ago started that business. That's who we started the business with was one of the masterclass students named Shafiq. Um, I met when I went over to Abu Dhabi in Dubai, I met, actually met him and his family and his wife and kids and had dinner in their house. Um, oh. I met Matteo, uh, another masterclass student in Spain. He lives in Italy. Um, but he flew to Spain when me and my wife were on vacation there to meet me. Um, mm -hmm. David and Mateo have a good friendship um, outside of that. And I don't know about other stuff, but I do know there is friendship and stuff outside of just the value investing or finance good. specific stuff. Now, I like that because they can also run ideas off of each other. That oh, if, yeah. you, if you are too conservative, then they can be like, okay, well, Jason say no, but want to mitigate some risks. See, I'm learning. Want to mitigate some risks by going in together? Yes. Yes. Pick up exactly. on some things here. All right. Exactly. Very cool. No. Yes. 
very and we still haven't talked about the bonuses which we'll talk about later i'm sure we have not yet because for them i want to deep dive into them but i want to get to the next question too so we have discipline uh required to succeed yes we've talked about that why you have bought a new stock in six years but will you do you think you'll ever buy a stock again are you just are you just disenfranchised with the stock market like in general no i'm not so I, I actually like the way you worded that. Um, <laughs> I am not, even though I've said in other lives, you need, if you're going to invest in the stock market, you need to be very careful right now because the valuations are so crazy. I don't hate the stock market. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not, I don't try to time the market. I just think there's better values elsewhere is essentially okay. what I'm down to. And that's specifically right now, um, private businesses, commercial real estate. I don't hate the stock market. I will buy a stock soon. I actually tried to buy a stock seven uh new positions in the portfolios i manage what last march and april um 2020 when the covid crash first hit and the market just cr uh tanked faster than it ever has before i put uh found stocks evaluated them put seven buy orders in on new stocks wasn't able to buy any of them <laughs> because the stock market went up too fast none of the buy orders got filled um so yes, I will buy a stock at some point. I'm actively, I'm, I'm actively looking every day, every day between the videos we make on YouTube and the students and the teaching on that. I'm and the various writing jobs um, I have and have had. I'm still looking every day, and I, I have a watch list that I'm building up and putting more and more companies on there. So I'm ready to buy when the market does crash. Okay, well, I think that's fair enough then. So it's not like you're just saying no and poo pooing it. It's just. Not right now, not the right time, not the right opportunities. Yeah, and I mean, I don't I don't try to time the market because A, it doesn't work, and B, I suck at it. <laughs> uh, and I'm not getting out of stocks. I'm not telling anybody I talk to to sell all their stocks or not invest in the stock market. I'm just warning right. them if you are, you need to be careful. Uh, and frankly, I just can't find anything that meets my criteria, and I'm not going to break that because it works. Fair enough. All right. So we know that you're picky in the stock market, and I also happen to know that you have turned this money down, but I don't know if I have ever done it, gotten in this story with you. So why did you turn down $2.5 million in investor money, potential investor money? Yes. So over the last probably four or five years, I've had people reach out to me um, wanting to invest um, because they see my results. Um, and, uh, and the portfolios I manage and they want to invest with me. And I turned that money down, yeah. which frankly would probably surprise a lot of people. Why would I turn down two and a half million dollars um, right. of investor money? I turned it down. And if anybody is seeing this video, um, you can feel free to confirm this or not or whatever. Um, but I've turned the money down because what I told these people, and there was, I think, four or five, maybe six individuals that I turned this money down from. I said individually pretty much the same thing to them. I would feel uncomfortable taking your money right now because it would just sit there. Um, I don't want to just sit there and make fees off of your money while I'm not buying and while I can't find anything to buy. Um, that would make me uncomfortable. That makes I, I would, sense. That, that makes me uncomfortable. So I turned the money down um, and they all said, and, and I said, if you guys want to invest in private businesses, commercial real estate, that kind of stuff, let me know, but they all wanted to invest in the stock market, which is fair because A, that's what they're most comfortable with. B, um, that's where my track record, frankly, is. It's Right now, it's 100% in the stock market. Uh, so they trust that more, um, which, again, makes sense. 
but because of that, I wouldn't, I didn't feel comfortable taking the money at that time. Um, because yeah, just, just even talking about it right now makes me uncomfortable sitting, Hey, I'm going to take your half million dollars, but it's going to sit there. I'm going to make money off it and not really do anything with it. That makes me uncomfortable. Okay. I actually really like that because I feel like that is unusual for a financial investor to simply just turn down money, especially since they can make some money on the fees or just with it sitting there. So do you have a, um, an idea of how these people react to, can you share, like, what did they say or did it help improve business? Like what was the result? Yeah. So pretty much all of them said they appreciated that and that to let them know when I do find more stocks to buy pretty much all of them said that. Yeah. I think actually all of them said that, um, let me know when you find no, and that, that those, these people started reaching out to me about probably about four years ago. So it's been, uh, been two, three, four years since yeah. I've talked to a lot of these people. I've, st I've stayed in touch on occasion with them. Um, but that money, frankly, may never come back. I, I don't know. Okay. And that's something, that's something I'm comfortable with because I made the decision I made for the reasons I made it for. And I still stand by that. So. Well, somebody on the business side could, could push back. So on the business side, I could say, look, you should be, you should have held on to that money and you should have made some of those fees and you should have put that back in your business. And you could have told them that you may not be able to buy, find something right away, but what would be the harm in collecting some of the fees for your business? Profit. That makes me uncomfortable, especially yeah. if I had stocks that I was even close to buying. Mm -hmm. Like if it gets, if it's like $50 per share and it gets down to $45 per share, right? I would have taken the money and said, Hey, when this happens, we're going to buy this stock and go with this. But by my estimations, and I was talking to some masterclass students about this the other day in the WhatsApp group, when the Evergrande stuff started falling in, people were like, Ooh, we might get a buying opportunity soon. And I said, by my estimation, stocks would have to fall 50% ah, to okay. become undervalued. Not just okay. fairly though, become undervalued. They had to fall about fifty percent. That means the stock market would fall from about thirty-five thousand points to about seventeen thousand points. And that would be if if and when that happens, it's going to happen at some point. I don't know when. Um, right. but a fifty percent crash happens, I think it's like every few decades. When that happens, it's gonna be really bad, which is another reason I don't root for right. these kind of things to happen either, because it's gonna crush a lot of people, especially people in retirement. Got a great question from Tasha. I like this one. What about investing in fast food franchises like McDonald's, Taco Bell? During the height of COVID nineteen, they seem to be the only ones open and prosperous. Starbucks too. Yeah, let's not forget the all-powerful Starbucks. <laughs> I love this idea. This I love this question. question, Tasha. Yeah. You need to join more of these lives. You ask great questions yeah, every time you're on here. Thank you. Yeah. Love this question. I'm not in full transparency. I'm not looking to own franchises when i talk about private businesses i'm not talking about franchises hmm. why am i not looking for franchises for myself because most franchises they require that the owner work in the business i don't want to work in the business that i own on a daily basis i don't i want to do what call is what's called working above the business i want to be the strategic member if they need major issues or if they have any major questions or they need to figure something out strategically i want to help with those kind of problems capital allocation investment that's what i that's what my specialty is that's what i want to help with so that's actually, why i'm personally go ahead and i'm sorry that one i completely agree with actually when i was a 3d artist working for a company named daz um i was just in the labor side i was just constantly churning it was like and yes i was a contractor i suppose you could say it was a business but um, what it ended up being actually was a lifestyle job. 
Yeah. And my hands were completely tied. I could not make any more money. I was beholden to whatever they wanted to pay on their time and their dime. And, and I was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I'm busting my, my back to, to make somebody else money. Um, even though I'm supposed to be having a business. And the reason I went down this road is that's a very tiny example, but still an example of what happens, I think, to franchisees and franchise owners as well. There's really only so much they can do. Uh, they have to follow the franchise rules and regulations and laws, et cetera, et cetera. And they can't get too cute or creative with it. So it's another, it's a big lifestyle job, but that's my opinion on it. What do you think? I agree with that. Um, yeah. And for those reasons, I mean, the only way to become richer or more wealthy as a franchisee is to yeah. buy more franchises from yeah. say McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like Charlene said, then you have, and, and if you love the company, that's great. Oh, but, sure. I'm, I'm not, I'm not even putting it down. It's just, no, and I'm not either. Yeah. But let's say, let's say McDonald's, let's use Starbucks. Actually, let's say you yeah. absolutely love their products. You love the company. You would have no problem working there. Right. The only way to make more money though, is if you went from owning one franchise to say five or 10 franchises, right. most people who become super wealthy owning franchises own dozens or hundreds of franchise units. Yeah. Because at that point, then you have some negotiating power. You don't have to work in the business. You can work as the strategic kind of person. You own the business. Right. Um, Plus, at that time, you can take a 7% royalty fee that mm -hmm. you have to pay to McDonald's or Starbucks or whoever. That the fee ranges um, depending on the company, but there is always a royalty fee. Oh, um, yeah. And there's usually oh, yeah, there's a, a startup the fee as well <laughs> to yeah. like a $100,000 fee to get your McDonald's franchise again. I don't know what the fee is right now, um, but that range as well. It could be $100,000, could be $2 million to right. buy the franchise. So you have those fees plus the royalty fee, and typically you pay that on sales. Not profits. Not profits. That right. seems Sales. small, but that is uh, extremely important because if you aren't making money, let's say you are a McDonald's franchisee and you are the one one of the ones in say California, New York, New York that got shut down. Mm -hmm. You were unprofitable in all likelihood, but you still had to pay that six, seven, whatever percent royalty right. fee because it's based on the top line on the sales, it's not based on the bottom line or the profits. I love it. That's a great question, Tosh. It was really, really smart. So I suppose the moral of that story is if you want to buy a franchise as an investment and you want that as a lifestyle, then look at it with the same amount of yeah. carefulness that you would recommend anybody else look at for other commercial properties. Absolutely. Love the business. Love, love, love the business because you're not, in my opinion, you're not buying, you're buying a job at that point, which is fine. Right. Yeah, but you're not buying. You're not. Yeah, you're you're buying a job because you mm -hmm. still have to work in the business. Yeah. Uh, and this is frankly something I've come across in the last six months to a year, where I'm kind of making that tra transition away from doing all the things myself, right, into yeah. more of a business owner, CEO type. I'm finally making that tr transition. Yeah, or working so, to make that transition. <laughs> speaking of that kind of transition, you had this masterclass available about three years or so ago. Um, and let me just make sure here. I think there was one more. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, you had this masterclass available about three years or so ago and you got off track a little bit. What happened there? So this, I love this question um, because this is where a lot of personal growth came from me is because I didn't realize this until about six months ago. I got on this track to building my own businesses in the first place 
instead of doing the investing thing, kind of multiplying money. Because this is probably about three, three and a half years ago, is I was going after the acquisition of a marina in the area where I live and uh, some apartment complexes and also what else was there? There was a uh, there was a public company that I own stock in and I wanted to buy control of it. It's like a $15 million company. I wanted to buy control of all these things. I don't have the, or I didn't have the assets to do that at that point. Um, full transparency, I still don't have <laughs> tens of millions of dollars to do that yet. If Maria Alexander is watching yet, <laughs> yes, uh, that's there you what go. we're working towards. <laughs> but I talked because of that outreach and me wanting to buy those businesses, I outreached to more than 2000 people, um, had dozens of meetings, um, was on Zoom, phone calls, in-person meetings with dozens of people. All of them liked the investments, all of them liked the ideas, but they didn't, I only got like 20 or $30,000 worth of investments. So it wow. wasn't even close to cover that. Why? If they loved me, if they loved the ideas, why didn't they invest? I asked them. It's a good question. I asked them because after, especially after hearing a few times, I was like, what is going on? I was like, all the people say they love me, they love you. What, what is going on? Right. They didn't trust me because I've never mm -hmm. built and run my own businesses. They didn't trust me yeah. to run these businesses myself. So I set out to prove these people wrong that I could run and grow my own businesses from scratch. That's what got me into selling the masterclass in the first place. That's also what got me off track as well because I went full speed into investment writing and doing all these other things that I talked about before consulting. Um, and again, I do some of these things still off and on, but I'm a focus now, which is why we're relaunching the masterclass, but that's what got me off track. At one point, me and my brother had a marketing company because I was learning a ton about marketing, got very good at marketing. Um, I have various business opportunities off and on with various people. And that's what got me off track, frankly. And I didn't realize that until about six months ago is that I was, I was got off track from the masterclass originally for the wrong reasons to prove people wrong. It wasn't because I necessarily wanted to, it was to prove people wrong and kind of that chip on your shoulder thing. If you're a sports fan yeah, chip on your shoulder, the Tom Brady, Tom Brady thing where he was drafted in the sixth round. So he takes that personally to this day and he's been in the NFL 22 years. He takes that personally to this day and he's won seven yeah. Super Bowls. Um, <laughs> that, it. So it, it can work to a degree right. if you use it right. I was not using it right because I was only, I'm going to prove these people wrong. Uh, I'm going to build these businesses from scratch. It wasn't because I want to serve people because I want to help people. Right. Um, that is why what got me off track three, three years, three or so years ago. You know, it makes sense. So if you think about the last three years, though, when you started into this, yes, because you wanted credibility. And what do we know about people? You know, they're not going to buy from you unless they know, like, and trust you. And I mean, we, we need all three in order to make a sale. So I get it. Um, I don't know that it was a uh, completely bad thing, though, because what have you learned about business and investing, et cetera, in the last three years since running this business? <laughs> An enormous amount. Um, yeah. Warren crash Buffett. Crash course. Fire yeah, crash course. <laughs> if you want to figure out about yourself, and I, I never fully realized this until I got in the business mastermind that Charlene and I are part of. Yeah. And then also I heard this the other day from Ed Milet, who I'm learning from right now. He said, um, entrepreneurship is the greatest self-discovery process known to man hell yeah <sighs> i love that wow i've never i've never heard that but hell yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. Charlene, <laughs> I knew would agree with that. Um, yeah. And I definitely agree with that because starting our own businesses from scratch, from zero, literally from yeah. zero. Because when I started the Masterclass originally, one client, yeah. I didn't have a list. I didn't have a cl any clients. I had just left the investment newsletter or the first investment newsletter. I had to figure something out. Yeah. Yeah. And fast because I had kids, a wife and kids. And it's freaking scary too. They don't scary. say it. it is scary to do it. No. So, <laughs> and I've had ups and downs and there's still ups and downs, but it was, it was so scary at one point after I hired my first set of teammates that yeah. I was literally to make their payroll, not even to pay myself to make my own payroll. I was yeah. selling stuff out of my own house that yeah. I had. Like I had a really high end Nikon D32, the D3200 camera. I love uh, photography, love taking pictures, still do. I sold that to make, to pay my team. Mm -hmm. That's what yeah. really entrepreneurship is, is Talk sacrifice. Bootstrapping it. Yes, yeah. bootstrapping, sacrifice, worry, stress. That's what entrepreneurship is at the beginning stage. I agree. Uh, and I'll go off on a minor tangent on that one a little bit because bootstrapping, I feel like is the only valid way to do it. It is the best way to do it. Yes. I think taking angel funding or investor money, that's a whole different, as a different set of people. It's a different mindset for those people um, and a different lifestyle. That's about the money and the almighty dollar. That isn't about the humanity and actually how do I solve this next problem for my next client one by one. Um, it When you get financial investors or angels involved, um, of course you can now, and I've seen this happen, you can actually grow your business way too fast. You can grow your business right into bankruptcy. And I feel like that's the big difference is that Somebody like you who has started this business and now we're running it for five years now. I ain't going on six, if I'm not mistaken. That's so, I don't, I don't even know the time. Something like that, right? <laughs> but somebody like you who has, yeah, but you've had a foundation now. You built a foundation. You go step by step by step. Oop, shit, that didn't work. Let's try that brick again, you know? And, it, and it's slow and it's agonizing and it's incredibly stressful, but it is honest um, and you cannot grow this business too fast because you actually have to grow into the person required to be able to run the business to begin with. Uh, so yes. yeah, that personal development, that self-discovery, those sleepless nights, the stress, and then the rewards. You know, what my favorite part is, is when a client actually reaches out just randomly and just says, I just want to tell you that you've really changed my life or you really helped me today, or you changed my perspective on this. Those moments, Oh, get a little emotional to think about, it, but that that's the re that's the good stuff, right? Yes, hundred percent agree. That yeah. Yeah. um this I'm the memory, the first memory, and I have lots of memories of this now, but the first memory that's coming to my head is because it's so recent is a uh, person you and I are both familiar with, Damien. Yeah, yeah. He was he's doing some one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and um it clicked for him after I think four one hour sessions, it clicked for him. And he was valuing stocks from zero knowledge to valuing stocks better than most professionals in four one-hour sessions. I love it. And he and I, I was like, Damien, do you realize what we just did? He was like, what? Yeah. He's like, we evaluated a stock better than 95% of people on earth. And we learned valuations. You just learned valuations, three different valuations. And I didn't know one valuation after learning for six years. He learned these in four one-hour sessions. And he was like, he just kind of looked. He was like, thank you. That's awesome. I didn't realize that. <laughs> I, was like, that I was like, that's so freaking cool. Uh, but you're 100% right. Do do. <laughs> that's that kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff is yeah. awesome. You know what else I will, I will share as an observation as well is, you know, yes, we talk about money, of course, and profit. 
Um, none of us are running nonprofits. You know, everybody in my mastermind yeah. are for-profit businesses. There's nothing wrong. In fact, it should be profitable. Why are you doing it if it's not? <laughs> so, um, but profit isn't a bad word because when it comes down to it, we are actually making this, we actually do want to help people. And the best way I know how to do that is actually through the mechanism of business. I don't think you can do it any other way or magnify any wealth in any other kind of platform than a small business. What do you think? I agree. And yeah. to the point of the, the profit, what you said, this is a big yeah. thing for me. Again, yeah. numbers nerd coming out here. Uh, uh. If businesses don't have profit, and we talked about this in a couple lives ago with the mm -hmm. um, with the businesses going out of business, the with the, was it the fifteen dollar minimum wage? Yeah, and that's right. The, uh, the talk we had around that, yeah, is if businesses don't have profit, when stuff happens and stuff always does happen, always, <laughs> you're they either have to fire a ton of people, or they go out of business. Yeah, again, I said in that video, one hundred ten thousand restaurants alone in the United States went out of business due to COVID because yep. of the closures, 110,000. Yep. That's absurd. And that's yep. just restaurants um, because the margins are so thin. So how that's many, why profits way, matter. That, how many bankruptcies, divorces, um, splitting up of children are also suicides, behind those businesses. Depression. Debt, depression, suicides. That's exactly, this is some big deal stuff. So when I hear people come in hard on coming down on business owners, especially small business owners, where they're saying, you know, well, you just make a lot of money. I'm like, first of all, most of us don't get paid half of what we're worth. Actually, I, don't, I know that I make less money working for myself than I did working for anybody else. Hell, sometimes I think I should go back to contracting. I made a lot more money doing that, right? But what I have noticed though, is that small business owners are actually quite generous people. Oh, if yeah. they know you're genuinely, genuinely interested in their knowledge, such as Jason even, genuinely interested they will give you they will roll up their sleeves and educate you and give you every resource they can give you so that you can also be empowered the difference is they're taking the shit from people but those same people on occasion would offer the opportunity don't take them up on it yeah so they'd rather complain and throw stones at the entrepreneur and i don't think that's right but just is what it is i suppose right yes yes no i agree um yeah. but that is what got me off track that's what yeah. I've been working on over the last several years, building this business or building my businesses and then focusing now on building this business. Um, that's because our goal is to help people with financial and financial literacy and learning a valuable skill in value investing. All right. Well, the good thing, though, is it's now been three years since you've relaunched. Well, you've been working on this masterclass. So now you're relaunching it. So let's actually dive into how is this going to better serve us now? I mean, I know that it was better than what you had before, but I also want to dig into those bonuses as well. So start from the beginning, Jason, value investing journey masterclass. What will I learn in this masterclass? Why should I take it? You learn how to find value and evaluate stocks fast. It's as simple as that. Okay. All right. And when I say fast, again, Damien, after zero knowledge to four one hour sessions, one on one sessions with me, What's valuing stocks? Wow! In four one-hour sessions, that's what okay. I'm saying. By fast, I'm not going to say you're a master. I'm not going to say you're the next Warren Buffett after four hours. But you can <laughs> start using these skills after four hours. Why is that important? Because the skills to that took me that I showed Damien in four hours took me six years to learn. Oh, <laughs> because I was doing wow. it by myself. Um, okay. I was doing everything by myself. There were no coaches back then. 
I wasn't able to go to college due to severe health issues. I literally had to search and scrape the infinite, um, the infinite miss of Google. I'm not sure if that's a word, yeah. but the infinite <laughs> miss of Google one by one by one to figure that stuff out. That's what took me six years. Um, you know, I love, I love this question here too. What am I supposed to do now? That was the question always on my mind when I hit the next brick wall. And this is what you're helping people through on this, right? So they don't have yes. to get in these brick walls like this. Well, every, I mean, me personally, that's something I struggle with constantly because I didn't have anybody else to talk to, but that's also students. That's one of the reasons we have the communities and yeah. the WhatsApp group and the group trainings is because the faster you ask questions and the faster you get answers to your questions, the faster you're going to learn. That's what I spent so much of my time in the first six years doing was learning something, trying it failing, then having to go back to Google again and search when I've been doing this for 15 years now. So I probably have done it or I've had students who have done it or another student is having the same issue and we can help you pretty much in sec literally in seconds, yeah, um, figure it. this stuff out. Love it. And I also love that you even said it here, you know, you had no one that you could personally talk to about investing, no mentors, no one you could reach out to. You didn't know where to turn and nobody else should have to go through that. I mean, that is the whole reason you're putting this together, right? Yes, hundred percent, and that's value investing. Value investing is a very solitary thing by itself, anyways, because you're researching stocks by yourself, and we've all been locked in our houses for the better part of a year and a half already. Uh, yeah, this is leading. That. Yeah, this is leading <laughs> yeah. to mental health issues, depression, sadness, anxiety, all mm -hmm. these things that have been documented for a long time, but it's being exacerbated now with COVID. Right. So. If you don't have to do it alone and you don't with this masterclass, then you shouldn't not only because you'll learn faster, but you'll be a part of community and people who like the nerdy stuff like you do. <laughs> and <laughs> do. you can talk to them about the nerdy stuff you can or that you like and not get any crap for it because frankly, I don't yeah. know anybody else out of my circle of value investing people that I know now who likes this stuff. Well, Nobody nerds likes like this nerds. Stuff. Nerds like yeah. nerdy things. Yeah. You Who know, likes reading 100 pages of financial documents to figure out the one small thing? People like, it's like a puzzle. Oh, it is. <laughs> right? It's like a, just one more piece of a puzzle. I love this, though, that you carried on, even though you heard these constantly. Idiot, dumbass, moron. How could you miss that? How could you not talk about that? This didn't make any sense. Didn't know what you're talking about. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And you were wrong. Funny enough is you said I heard these constantly. I have spent some time on your channels looking at some of the comments and you've got a great sense of humor with how these people interact with you, but I don't think it was heard. I think you still hear them. The difference is I've seen you win them over now when you yes. actually come back. I've seen you make friends with these people. Yes. So <laughs> I used to take that, those kind of comments super personally, yeah. very personal. Like it, it literally would, I would hear something like this and it would ruin my day and I wouldn't be able to do anything the rest of the day, like physically, mentally, exhaustion depression, sadness. This is, and my daughters want to start a YouTube channel and right. they're 10 and seven. And me and my Young. wife, are, people are, can be so mean online. They're so mean. Yeah. Then they're little mm. girls. Mm. So we yeah. have held them off at this point. Uh, but it still happens on occasion, but now I have a thicker skin and I know not to take it personally. And I try to have fun with these people. Um, yeah. One person, <laughs> You're gonna laugh, Charlene. One person called me a boomer because I was giving boomer investment advice. A and, boomer. <laughs> and you are kind I had of a boomer, some, though. You're a bit of a boomer. When it comes to investing, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um 
And so I was having some fun with him in the comments and he's like, and he finally came back after a couple of back and forth and he was like, Oh yeah, I, I realized you were joking. I'm, I'm glad you, <laughs> you I'm glad you, I, I'm glad you didn't take that seriously. Um, and he was and, and another guy, uh, Jack Black, who we made an entire one and a half hour podcast for, which comes back or which releases next week. Um, he was saying some nasty personal stuff and I was interacting with him and kind of going back and forth. And he said at the end of his second comment, what did he say, Charlene? He said, um, great content, 10 out of 10 content or something like that. Yes, 10 out of 10. Exactly. He said, Keep it up. Keep so, it up. yeah, it's, but you will, I mean, that's another reason why we have the community because one of, one of the things I do recommend people do, and this is not a requirement by any means, but it's one of the things that helped me enormously is put your stuff out there online. Put it on Seeking Alpha, put it on Google Focus, put it on a blog, because the more feedback, the faster you get, the, again, the faster you will learn, that you progress but when you do that in a not safe space and i don't like that term for all yeah. the social well, stuff that's going now on everything's politicized you can't even talk normal yeah <laughs> but when you have peers who you can talk to and not get called these things like a dumbass or moron like i did right how could right. you not know that blah 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 yeah. if you have peers or somebody like me who you can ask this stuff to you will learn faster and you'll ask more questions because you won't be afraid to ask questions, which will help keep you progressing faster and faster. Right. I love this. Um, I also really, really like this. Uh, you do the heavy lifting. You do the heavy lifting for your students by teaching them the only the terms, techniques, evaluations that they must know to become great. Also, while giving them constant feedback so that they can improve rapidly. You know, one of the things that I asked you at the beginning, Jason, because I was like, uh-uh, I do not have time for another 12 month course and the big deep dive, this incredibly expensive investment. And you were like, no, it's, it's just a few weeks. It's it, it, relaxed. You're going to learn what you need to know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we used to, uh, three years ago when we launched this, we called it the six week masterclass because we, in our experience, we had people go through it in six weeks. Was that everybody? No, which is why we don't call it that anymore because right. that gave people the wrong thing. If they didn't complete it in six weeks, some people might feel bad, whatever. And we don't want that. We want to encourage people. We're very encouraging people. Yeah. And it can take weeks. It can take years. I, it's, mm -hmm. As long as you remain a paying member, you get access to all the stuff and you get access to the group trainings, the, um, the WhatsApp group, all the stuff. And frankly, past students who are no longer even paying me are in the WhatsApp group and the masterclass yeah. uh, Facebook group. Because again, oh. we want to build an entire community of people, not only so future students can get help, but so they can keep getting help as well. Love it. I love it. Okay. So we also, there we go. Couldn't get my uh, mouse to scroll. So we do actually have real bona fide. These are real people. None of these testimonies are made up. Uh, and I am get, getting their pictures as we yeah, speak. I did say that. I said, get the pictures. We need the real pictures of the people because yes. these are real people. The whole point is, you get this and more. I mean, you get feedback all the time on your courses saying, holy crap, look what I just did here. And look, I just evaluated that, et cetera. Right. They keep coming yeah. all the time. Yeah, exactly. Love. On on the first, uh, the first live training we're doing on October 3rd is a stock from a new masterclass student, Faisal, who wants to look at uh, a small $20 million company. So we're going to do a case study on it. Cool. He's thinking about okay. investing in it. So he wants, we're going to do that case study on it for him. How fun. Okay. Looking forward to that one. Very cool. All right. So the question is, and I love that you even put it out here. Why the hell should you, why should we trust you to begin with if beating this market is so hard? 
Yes. So right above that, I put a stat in there that's been proven out year after year after decade after decade that it's almost impossible to beat the market. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Only over a 15-year period, according to this study that these guys did, um, they've done several studies like this, they found only 8% of professionals, professionals, quote-unquote professionals, investors right. beat the market. Wow. So it's hard. So why should you trust me to do that? Because I've actually right. done it. Um, yeah. I've actually oh, beat Where? the market. <laughs> the market does about 10% per year on average over the last 120 or so years. In right. the last nine years or in the first nine years of my career, I've produced 23.5% average annual investment returns in the portfolios I manage. Um, yeah. So I've more than doubled the market. I've actually almost tripled the market in the last nine years. Um, I feel like I didn't know that and I should have. That's actually pretty impressive. I knew you were good, but I didn't really understand that you were that good, honestly. Yeah, no, and I, I say this in my videos, and again, you know I hate talking about this. You kind of force yeah. me to talk about this stuff Yeah. because um, I don't like talking about myself. I want to help others, but right. you made me realize that if I don't talk about this, why should people trust me? Right. Um, and that's a good point. So what was your question? Sorry. <laughs> I knew that you were good. I just didn't know that you were that good. I mean, honestly, that oh. you were that effective. Yes, and so I don't have the exact stats because I don't have a – $20,000 Bloomberg terminal uh, <laughs> in my house. But what I do know is that the numbers I produce legitimately make me one of the best stock pickers in the entire world over the last nine years. Wow. Um, Very nice. And I'm, again, just in the 8% who has actually beat the market in a long period of time. Right. That automatically makes me very good. But 23.5%, that puts me just behind Warren Buffett um, when compared huh. to when compared to cool. the first nine years of his career, when he produced 24.2% average annual investment returns um, at his Buffett nice. limited partnership. Yeah, you're totally managing my money. I know I'm learning this, but I'm like, Jason, just take over. Just make Do a thing. Just do a thing. <laughs> all right. So you've got all kinds of information on here as well. You've got growth charts. You've got data. You've got et cetera. But you know what I really love that you also have on here is you are nothing special. If you can do this, somebody else can as well. I think what you really mean is that you're not that you're just average, just a regular yeah. Joe Blow. So anyone can. No, I mean, if you guys haven't heard my full story before, it's in my book How to Value Invest, and it's in going to be in a, a more fleshed out version in the second version of How to Value Invest, which I still need to finish. Uh, <laughs> it's been on hold on. for about about eight years now. <laughs> uh, since the release of the first one. That's Don't coming. rush into these things, Jason. We need to take our time. Slow down. Yes. So the full story is, if you don't know it, again, I'm only going to do the brief version here today. When I first started, I had severe health issues. I couldn't go to college yeah. because of them. I had no financial background. I had no knowledge of finance, anything in finance. Um, no investment knowledge. Zero. I didn't even know the terms. Nothing. Um, so I completely blank slate. All I wanted to do was I wanted to learn about business, learn about investment. And I learned and I taught myself. And when I say I taught myself again, because there weren't courses, I couldn't go to college, all that stuff. 99% of all I know in value investing and investing in general is self-taught because of those things. But if I can do that with uh, and no degrees, no mentors, no nothing, imagine what you can do with, um, with your health advantages, with your mentorship from me, with the other students in the communities, with these other bonuses that we're uh, gonna talk about. Imagine what you can do with all this stuff and how much faster you can do it. Well, financial literacy, and I'm putting this in here now. Uh, that's gonna stay, because I'm just gonna use this anytime you use a flag, because you get 
talking about stuff like that and it really is important i mean it really is especially since we're at a day and age where i don't feel like anyone under 40 i don't even feel like anyone under 50 really can count on being taken care of by social security by um any government programs handouts etc etc we are actually way beyond what my grandparents were able to do, which is to get a job, retire at the same place after 40 years, get the pension, have the social security on top of that, et cetera. That does not exist anymore. Uh, no. So we got to hustle, all of us, whether we want a business or not. Yes. This kind of thing, can this help us get there? Oh yeah, exactly. All right. And that's why we talked about this stuff, the various ways I've made money personally, Right. how to make money in this field outside of just investing in stocks or even outside of Wall Street because we didn't even talk about Wall Street because I don't have any personal experience with Wall Street. Right, yeah. There's so many different ways you can make money with this knowledge. And then once you make the money with this knowledge and stack the cash, then you can multiply it and compound it. And you're going to need to do that for the reasons that Charlene just talked about and that we talked about. Was it our last live or the live before? Um, I think it was two lives ago. The facts aren't going to change. Yeah, that we talked about that people in, in the US under the age of 40 should not count on mm. social security at all, zero. Right. right, yeah. All right, love this. So where are we here then? So we've got, uh, you are, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> you do crack me up. You're teaching your value investing blueprint and then parentheses, it's top secret. Well, it doesn't have to be people. You can get access uh, by going ahead and clicking on the little buy links. But I love what you're saying here. Everything that you know, on how to find great and safe stocks for investing. And even if you haven't bought a stock in the last six years, doesn't mean you don't own stock. You own stocks. Yeah, so and portfolios and energy. And find their own, right? So you're not yes. saying, okay. Yes, correct. And yeah, I mean, everybody has their own biases. Every Everybody has their own um, risk profile when it comes to investments. I know, right. uh, again, students are still asking me about stuff they want to buy today. And I'm just looking at them like, this doesn't meet my criteria. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> Yeah. But and that's fine. And that's one of the uh, uh, best things I love about investing and value investing in particular. And we had this conversation in the WhatsApp group the other day is my, I'm extremely conservative. Like I, I literally don't know the, another value investor who is as conservative as I am. Boomer. Yes. <laughs> We're going have fun with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm kind of expecting that. That's that a good one. I saw it come up on the screen. I thought you were going to say it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but if you are less risk averse than I am, mm-hmm. and if you want to invest in growth stocks, you can still use these same principles to invest in growth stocks that are, and again, that's stuff like Tesla, Amazon, uh, Google, Facebook, blah, 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 those kind of things. You can still use the same principles to buy not necessarily undervalued stocks, but cheap-ish stocks compared to various ways that they can be valued. Um, right. I still use these principles a bunch of different ways. I love it. Now, here's what this is not. This is not a course for trading Forex, crypto, gold, or silver, or, or investing in any of those things. Now, I think that's important. By the way, I think I even disagree with you on crypto, but I don't have enough proof yet to come to you and talk to you about why. Um, but none of this, none of this is what's in this course. Why not? How come you're not talking about these things? I don't talk about these things because I don't think most of these things either work when it comes to trading over the long term mm-hmm. or you when it comes to things like crypto and gold and silver, you can't value them, in my opinion. Okay. So 
this is not a trading course. This is not a, you won't learn any candlestick patterns or how to read technical <laughs> charts. What the hell? Yeah, I, I don't know much. That's the only what I know. <laughs> Just not uh, going to talk about those. Okay, fine. Yeah, you won't, you won't learn any technical <laughs> indicators in this course. Am I saying they're, those are all full of crap? No. But I don't use them because I don't think they are useful to me. I'd rather know what the value of the business is. I don't care about what the stock, its movements are on the chart. I just don't care. Right. Um, however, again, these principles, while they can't be applied to, or they can be applied directly to those things, we don't talk about those things for the reasons I just talked about. Because to me, they don't make a ton of sense over the long term. Again, yes, you can make money in the short term on these things, but in the long term, I'd rather own cash flowing businesses. Oh, I like that. Okay. I like that. And I even like that you do go here too. What's the alternative? I mean, honestly, you're not trying to hard sell anybody into this course. You're hoping that people sign up and actually consume the information, but if they don't want to, there are other avenues, right? Um, yeah. In this case, they can spin their wheels for days, months, years, maybe like they've already done. Uh, there is a lot of information out there. They can try to sift through that information. Um, and I don't even think I hear you saying, that it is your information or none at all. I think what you're saying is that you've done all this hard work already, so why not just have a look at it, right? Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly what it is. And when I say everything I know in the last 15 years, you can ask any of my students if they're on here or if they watch the recording and they want to comment. Right. I will show you literally anything you want to know, anything. Mateo yeah. and I, um, we spent, I think it was like 20 minutes talking about seven individual words in a hundred plus page annual report. Wow. Because he Talk wanted nerding out. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to understand every single nuance and it was about debt and some of the stuff we were talking about at the beginning of this and yeah. the various nuances of debt and the things you need to think about. So that's the kind of depth we're talking about. Anything you want to know, this includes evaluating stocks like we're going to do for Faisal. Um, this includes, learning about terminology, learn about evaluations, anything that I've learned over the last 15 plus years and that I'm still learning. Yeah. I want to download this. The matrix is coming back. I want to be able to download <laughs> this information I have into your mind because the whole goal of this is to help people get out of and stay out of poverty. And if you're already past that, then to multiply your money so you become, become wealthy or reach your financial goals, whatever they are. Okay. The question though is, are you Trinity or Neo? <laughs> Neo. <laughs> Gotta be, gotta be. Yeah. I mean, he is the gotta coolest be. one. Gotta be. Yeah, gotta be. Yeah. All right. Well, now, in addition to this course, which is actually already really, I mean, I love talking about this. It is important. We're spending so much time today on this. And it started with me asking you all those questions because people are getting to know you. They're wanting to take a deeper dive with you now. And so we're getting these questions also about this course. That's why we're doing this today. But in addition to that, you've got new bonuses for people yes. who sign up. Walk me through these. First, we've got four free one-on-one -on -one trainings with you. Are you kidding me? Four of them? I'm really surprised you are giving that away. Truly, I'm surprised you're giving that away because your time is pretty tight. So why'd you decide to do that? Yes, I've decided to do that um, because I've seen the results people have gotten, not just Damien, like we talked about earlier, but other students with the one-on-one -on -one trainings. Uh, one of my wife's cousins um, did a very similar thing where she went okay. from zero financial knowledge. She just wanted to learn and she was valuing stocks within a few hours. Um, I've seen the results that people can get from those one-on-one trainings. Uh, and we want to give those to the first 10 people that sign up. Uh, and that's that's how serious we are about this, is I'm literally willing to give up my time, not give up, that's not the right term, but to give you my time 
to help you learn faster, better, more efficiently. Um, so you can, again, reach your financial goals faster. Uh, I, I'm going to do that for the first 10 people that signed up. I like it. Now you already have people in this course. You're meaning like these, these are now brand new bonuses. So it's the next, the next 10 people who purchase, I think is what you mean here, right? No. So that is incorrect. Oh, so okay. I'm already giving these bonuses to students. Okay. Two students for sure are already in and have already gotten these bonuses or gotten access to the bonus. We haven't done any one-on-one -on -one trainings yet. Oh, so they haven't signed up this. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, we have, I have sent out the value investing blueprint, which we're going to talk about next. I have sent that up to students, um, to all students past and present. Okay. Uh, and Steve, um, who is one of our new master class students wrote me back right after getting it. And he said, right. there's a ton of value in here. Nice. Um, so yes, this will be capped the first 10 people total that sign up. So we have eight spots left and we already have two others okay. who are in talks to come into the group. So this is no joke. You will be shutting this off after eight more people. That is it. Correct. Well, next year, Charlene, I mean, you can give more information on this because we've talked about this behind the scenes. Yeah. But we're going to sell, for example, the value investing blueprint. We're going to sell that legitimately next year for oh, five yeah. grand at a live event. We're going to do that. Yeah, we are. Yes. Yeah. Jason and I, we have a great partnership because he is here to teach me about financial literacy, but I also bring to the table my knowledge of people running events um, and selling, you know, communicating with people. So we're going to be doing a live event next year. So my recommendation to you guys right now truly is if you are looking to get into this course, do it now. It would be, it needs to be now because even if Jason wasn't willing to cap this at some point, his own mastermind members would, would strongly encourage him to do so. And yes. they're like, yeah, you need to stop giving away your resources. So it's yes. legit. And this is not false, false scarcity. This nope. is real. Okay. Yes, first ten people that sign up, we've already got two in and two others who are talk in talks to join. So yeah. we have six to eight spots left. And yeah, once these are gone, they are gone because we are going to sell specifically that value investing blueprint next year in a live session. Love it. Okay. You also have that that as a bonus, the value investing blueprint, five thousand dollar value. You were free. You said that to your your team and you aren't even selling this yet, but you will next year. I love that. Yeah. I absolutely yes. love that. Yes. So that is something that we haven't released anywhere until we started sending it to masterclass students. I've had this built nice. out for six to nine months and I couldn't figure out what to do with it. Yeah. Um, so I never, I never put it anywhere. I never, I didn't really tell my team much about it, but what it is, is it's the exact step-by-step -step process that I do every time I look at a stock from beginning to end from when I say beginning, I give you the exact links in that resource that I use to find stocks, the exact right. resource or the exact URLs. There's 28 different training videos in there to teach you the terminology. There's screenshots and instructions showing you the exact steps I take and what I'm looking for on each exact step. There's a lot more in there. It's about a 50 page doc, uh, Google doc that we're probably going to turn into a booklet at some point. I think we should do that. Um, yeah, that's a good idea that we are legitimately going to teach in person probably over a day, maybe over two days. I, we haven't figured this out yet. And but we're going to teach this live to people again in, in a small group setting, maybe 10, 20, 15 people. I, I, we, have, we haven't decided that yet either, but it's going to be a small group setting. I'm going to show exactly what is in that to help those people in attendance to be able to do that same exact steps themselves to find great stocks themselves. Um, there, 
it, that resource, I, I was going over this kind of in my head, and this is why we never did anything to it uh, with it until now, is because initially, I think my uh, either me or my team said $500 to put this at. I was like, there's no way we can sell this for $500. There's just no way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so then when I partnered with Charlene, we talked about turning it into a live event um, instead. And that's, you get that for free as coming in for the first 10 people. Yeah, that's freaking phenomenal. And so now what we're talking about here truly is $197 per month. We've already said that people can hang out if they want to. Heck, you have people that are done paying you and still have access to the course. <clears throat> so for $197, you can get in here and learn how to multiply your money. It's not a bad deal. What I do love, Jason, that you're not doing is you're not saying, app now, pay $10,000. This is worth like 25 grand. It's none of that. It's like, it's a fair trade. 197, cover the costs. The information they learn will more than pay for that, right? Yes, absolutely. And I'm all, Charlene knows this and my other students know this because I tell this to every student that comes in. I'm about building long-term relationships with people. I just don't want to make money off you now. I want to help and just make money off you and then you kind of leave. I want to help you throughout your entire career and any way I can. And that's why it's at $197 a month. Um, yeah. Because again, the whole goal is to help people get out of state of poverty or to multiply their money. And we can't price this at two grand a month or five grand a month or whatever um, to help the people we want to help. So I appreciate this one. I'm having fun today with these. Oh, no. <laughs> we had a whole live about that last week. That's hilarious. I was not expecting that. You actually care about people and you're not yes. looking to just take their last dollar and break them over the goals. <laughs> yeah. And to for our full context into that, there will be, I don't know when the full video is coming out. I don't have the, my calendar up right now, uh, yeah. but there are full video of that. I think it was about an hour and 45 minutes total. <laughs> yeah. That will come out soon. Looking forward to that. Good. Good. I'll rewatch it. All right, Jason, that's what I have for today for questions, for information, for all of the deep diving <coughs> masterclass. Uh, there are no additional comments. Do you have anything that you wanted to share or add or that I should have asked you about for today? I don't think so. Um, we're going to keep doing these lives. Yes, we are. Um, if you guys have questions, comments, anything, if you want us to talk about a topic, let us know. Yeah. As Tasha knows, as Critical Thinking knows, as um, Shubham um, knows, yeah, and some of the other people. Shubham, I like them. Yeah, who show up to these kind of semi regularly. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys have questions, I'll, I'll answer just about anything. Charlene will answer stuff she has yeah. expertise on. Um, we want to help any people any way we can. We're very transparent. So, yeah. Might be a little provocative next week. We'll find one that uh, we can go back and forth on a little bit. Yes. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Now, next week, I don't, I've got to look at my calendar. I'll tell you right now. I think I have one more summit. I think I'm going to Vid Summit, actually. So we're going to have to do it on Thursday. Let me look. We will look for sure. But people, just so you guys know, it will be on Facebook, on the group. You can do, you can go in there and look. Get on his, um, get on his mailing list if you're not there. You'll be notified. And whatever day I can do it, I think it's going to be Thursday next week. But I will clarify that, and we're going to be live. Perfect. Looking forward to it. Last summit of the year. So then we're back to Wednesdays. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Jason. Take care. This was fun. I'm losing my camera. Peace. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tasha. Bye, everyone.